I was stuck. Really. Stuck. Frozen. I was transfixed. I could hardly move. I, I had no idea where to go. I had no idea what I would do. I had no idea what was going to happen next. I just sat there and I stared. Completely transfixed at a single ominous image. You remember that image? We couldn't take our eyes off of it. A weather map. A swirling mass of white steadily heading towards the Louisiana coast. And that swirling mass had a name. A name that demanded fear. A name now synonymous with devastation and destruction. You remember that mass's name. Katrina. It was in the waning days of the summer of 2005 and I sat there transfixed to the television and watched a storm of biblical proportions wreak its havoc on the coast. Do you remember those days? Did you sit like I did watching your television, almost numb, completely overwhelmed by what you were witnessing? It was the faces, wasn't it? It was the faces. I couldn't shake the faces. The desperate faces. The scared faces, the panicked faces. We just couldn't shake the faces. I remember it well. It was a Friday afternoon and there were a handful of us who gathered at noon for lunch. And that's when somebody finally asked the question, What can we do about this? And it was silent. Nobody knew what to say. The devastation was so immense. The need was so great. The distance between them and us was so far, there was probably nothing that we were going to be able to do. There was a day when Jesus couldn't shake the faces. The crowd had followed Him again. And that crowd, like every crowd, was filled with those faces. Those fearful faces. Those lost and lonely faces. Those depressed and desperate faces. Because these were the people who always came to Jesus. The day had been long. It was getting late. It was time to leave. Jesus took one last look at the crowd and He froze. He froze right there in His tracks. It was the faces. He couldn't shake the faces. In the faces of the people, He saw that unmistakable look of hunger. Hunger. And it froze Him in His tracks. And once he saw those hungry faces, those 5,000 hungry 
faces. He simply could not leave. He turned to his disciples and asked that very question that we asked in that lunchroom on that eve of Katrina. What are we going to do? Do the faces ever overwhelm you? The faces of the crowd, the faces embedded in the statistics, do they ever just stick with you? Twelve million AIDS orphans in Africa. One hundred and fifty-six million malnourished children under the age of five. Twenty-five thousand children who will die in the world today because of malnutrition. The photos of refugees and those experiencing religious persecution. The countless stories of abuse and violence. Maybe it's the faces of those ten teenagers who were shot just outside of Cody High School just a few weeks ago. Maybe it's those faces... They keep you up at night. And if we're honest, it's not just the nameless faces caught up in those gigantic statistics that bother us the most, that trouble us the most. Often the faces that make up the crowd that keep us awake at night are the faces of those friends and those loved ones. Those family members we wish we could do something for, but somehow we just aren't ever quite able to do it. Do you ever find yourself lost asking that question, what can we do about the faces? Well, it was Philip. Philip was the first to answer the question. Philip had surveyed the crowd. He did the quick calculations and he said, there's nothing we can do about it. Don't get me wrong, he said. I'm as compassionate as the next guy, but there are 5,000 of them and there are only 12 of us. There is simply not enough time. There is not enough bread. There's not enough money to feed all of these people. There isn't enough. There just isn't enough. There just isn't enough. Those might be the most deadly words that can ever come out of our mouth. There just isn't enough. There isn't enough money. There isn't enough volunteers. There isn't enough time. There is no way. The problems are too big and we are too small. We barely have enough to take care of ourselves, for goodness sakes, let alone worry about the whole crowd. And it's not that we're not concerned. It's just that there isn't enough to go around. Oh, that's not just something churches say, though, is it? It's something we find ourselves saying. Have you ever caught yourself looking in the mirror in the morning and saying there isn't enough? I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Not attractive enough. Not rich enough. Not thin enough. I say that one a lot. I'm working on it. Not talented enough. 
If Philip's response had been the only response, that would have been the end of the story. But just then, a voice rose above the crowd. Excuse me, I overheard you need some help feeding these hungry people. I know it's not much. It's all I got. But if it'll help, then take it. It's yours. And there it was. Maybe the most beautiful scene in all of Scripture. What they saw was this young boy standing there holding five loaves and two small fish outstretched in his hand. I know it's not much. It's all I've got. But if it will help, then take it. It's yours. And that's when it happened. Everybody, everybody got fed. From the nameless boy's bag lunch, a miracle of biblical proportions was set in motion. All 5,000 with leftovers to fill 12 baskets. But how could such a small gift of five loaves and two fish possibly feed a crowd of 5,000 with leftovers to boot? Well, I'm not exactly sure. The story doesn't quite fill in all of the details. It just says, from this small boy's gift of just five loaves and two fish from his bag lunch, there was eventually enough food for everyone. So how did it happen? Maybe it's when other people saw that little boy give away his dinner. Maybe one of them said, well, if he's going to share his food... I guess maybe I could share mine too. Which in turn caused another person to say, well, I don't have much to give, but if my couple loaves will help, then here, here, you can have them as well. And I bet you there were some mothers in the crowd. And moms, I don't know if you're like my mom, but my mom didn't go anywhere without her purse. And in that purse, There was usually enough food to make it from a car ride from our house to grandma's house. Goldfish and M&Ms. I bet you there were some mothers with their purses there who just simply poured them out on the grass. Goldfish and graham crackers and extra juice boxes. This meager but sincere offering resulted in the crowd realizing that among them there was more than enough to go around. Maybe this miracle started by the simple but profound words, I know it's not much, it's all I've got, but if it will help, take it, it's yours. What they discovered was that everything they needed, everything they needed, They already had. Churches that change the world know something about that. Churches that change the world know something about God's abundance. Believe in the reciprocal nature of generosity. Trust that there is enough to go around and then some. And know that at the end of the day, everything they need to respond to those faces, they already have. 
everything we need. We already have. Put that on the back of our car. And let's drive that around for a moment. Every dollar, every person, every idea, every resource is already here. I can tell by your face you don't believe me. It's some good preaching, preacher. You keep on preaching that stuff now, but... Because we're like that first century crowd in more ways than we care to admit. We come with our handful of loaves and our couple of fish. We got them tucked away. We tuck them away because we just don't believe that what we have to offer really makes that big a difference. Well, you can't believe that if you believe that story this morning. You can't believe that if you believe that story this morning. Because that story reminds us that each gift, as small as it might seem, when given with sincerity, sets a miracle in motion. So why get into all of this? Because of the faces. You see, I can't get the faces out of my head. I've lived here for only four weeks and already it's the faces that I can't shake. The faces within the crowd. It's those faces. Those hungry faces. Everywhere I go in this community, I meet people who are hungry. Hungry for meaning. Hungry for healing, hungry for community, hungry for God. And it's those faces I just can't get out of my head. And I know you've seen the faces. They are the faces of the people you work with, and you live with, and you go to school with. So I might be so bold as to ask you this morning the same question Jesus asked His disciples. What are we going to do to feed all of these people? And I ask you that question this morning, hoping and praying that someone out there has a little brown bag of hope that they're willing to give away. That someone has two helpings of faith and five measures of love that they wouldn't mind sharing with the crowd. I'm hoping and praying that someone is out there who will step forward and say, this is all I got. But if it will help, then take it. It's yours. So I ask you again, how are we going to feed all these people? What are the untapped gifts that you carried in here today that just might set a miracle in motion? Are your loaves and fish the warm heart and friendly smile that would greet somebody at the door who shows up here for the first time and your smile would tell them they've come to the right place? Is that the gift you have tucked away today? Do you have the patience and love tucked away that might make a safe and warm place for the children of this church to grow and nurture to know no matter where they find themselves they can always come back home do you have the creativity to plan worship or the voice to sing with our praise team maybe maybe you have a skill for building that could could help put somebody in a home or Help take care of this beautiful property that God has entrusted us to. 
But maybe it's the love of new people and a heart for hospitality. Whatever God has given you, that gift that you bring in that little brown bag today that you got tucked inside your jacket, maybe that is the gift that will go towards reaching a hungry world. You know, if we take seriously what our text says today, then everything we need, everything we need to accomplish God's call, we already have. Everything we need, we already have. We don't need to look any farther than right here. And we don't need to wait any longer. Instead, we need to take out the loaves and fish we brought with us today and say like that little boy, this is all I got, but if it will help, then take it, it's yours. So what happened that Friday afternoon at that lunch table four years ago? Well, somebody finally said water. They're going to need drinking water. Maybe we could all buy a case of water to send down to the coast. And just when we were all about to run out to Costco and buy a case or two of water, somebody else asked the question nobody wanted to ask. How are we going to get all this water where it needs to go? You could feel the collective wind go out of our sails. She was right. This was going to be more complicated than we thought. We're a church. We're not a shipping company. And besides, even if we had a truck, which we didn't, where would we come up with the money to pay for a driver and the gas? Maybe there was nothing we could do. We were about to admit defeat when the little boy showed up with his lunch bag. He was disguised this time as one of the women in the circle. And she said, well, I could call my husband. His company has trucks. I could see if they might help. And so after lunch, she made the call. And that's when amazing things started to happen. She discovered that the folks at her husband's company were having the exact same conversations we were having. They couldn't get those faces out of their mind. They wanted to help. And so by the close of office hours that Friday, we had a truck, a driver, and all of the gas to get us to New Orleans and back. And that's all we needed to set a miracle in motion. Slowly but surely, over the week, that church was transformed into a hurricane relief center. One by one, people came through the doors with water and blankets and supplies for health kits, By the week's end, tens of thousands of dollars had been raised from not the church, but from the surrounding community who walked through the doors of the church and said, I am so glad we knew where to come. We knew if we came here, you would know what to do to help. Before the week was out, literally hundreds of of people packed, packed kits, packed blankets, and stacked water. It was nothing short of amazing. In fact... Before it was all said and done, we collected enough supplies to fill two trucks. But we didn't have a second truck. So we asked. And miraculously, the second truck came. With the driver and the gas 
to boots. We realized everything we needed, everything we needed, we already had. And it just took one little boy and his little bag of lunch saying, hey, maybe I can help. And it set a miracle in motion. I don't know what gifts we're holding on to. And I say, hey, Jesus, we've looked around. Redford Aldersgate, we'll do what we can. We don't have much. We just have a few loaves and a handful of fish. You know what he told me? He said he'd take them. He said he'd use them. He said he'd do more with them than we could ever imagine doing on our own. In your bulletin today, there's a survey of sorts. It's your opportunity to think right now about what is the gift that you carry around in your little bag. It's got lots of ideas of gifts that you might be able to offer to this congregation and this service in the world. They're in there, right? They're not in there. (laughs) Check that ahead of time, right? Okay, skip that. Next week in your bulletin, uh, next week in your bulletin, there will be a a survey that will be in there. Um, I promise. Believe me, after this I really promise. A really good build-up for a really... uh, I want to know what gifts you have. I don't want to know. God wants to know. Everything we need in order to serve the needs of this congregation you have. If you have a gift that God wants to employ and God wants to use, then would you please bring it forward? Would you let me know what it is that God could use? Maybe it's a gift for working with kids. Maybe you've got a skill with computers. Maybe you just have a warm and loving heart. Maybe you just like to pray for people. I don't know what your gift is. Maybe you like to write. Maybe, maybe you just like to be creative. If you have a gift that God can use, then I want to know about it. And if you'd let me know, I know that God will use it for more than we could ever imagine.